0: Series, are going to get back
1: for two, India at home, Lords goes wild. Hello and welcome to a new episode of 81 All Out this is Mahesh at Connard on Twitter. It's been a great uh, home season for fast bowling performances in India, Mohammed Shami has been terrific and so has uh, been Omesh and to some extent Ishant as well. And because it's been the flavour of the season, we thought we'll uh, wind the clock back a little bit and look at all the great fast bowling performances uh, in India in the past, uh, both by Indian fast bowlers as well as uh, by, by seamers from overseas. To talk about that, I've got uh, three guests on the pod today. Uh, there's Sidvi, uh, fellow everyone All Out uh, regular. Hi, Sidvi.
2: Hey, Mahesh. Good to be here.
1: Uh, there's K. Balakumar, a cricket jo- a journalist from Chennai.
3: Ah, Hi, hi, everyone. And
1: we've got Vijay Armugam, uh, a cricket nut from Sydney. Hi, Vijay. Hello, Mahesh and everyone. Excellent. So uh, what we've done is we've asked each of them to pick favourite fast bowling spells of their own. And, and we'll kind of go uh, one at a time and discuss uh, in detail. As always, I'm going to go to the senior citizen first. Bala, please get it started.
3: My personal choice is from that momentous series in 1983-84 between the then recently crowned world champions India and the recently dislodged world champions West Indies. Many of you may remember West Indies were smarting under its fiasco of the World Cup Finals where it was defeated by the rank underdogs India that had defended 183. I mean, surely the West Indians were thirsting for a major revenge. And when they arrived in India in, I think it was in October they arrived. The very first one there, then again it was played in Srinagar. They pummeled India with a 10-wicket victory. It was a rain-affected match, but uh, they were very clear in what they wanted to do. And though they had been dethroned as the one-day champions, they also wanted to prove a point in the tests. And the first test as it happened was at uh, Green Park, Kanpur. This particular match, Marshall had a few things to prove personally. His debut was against India as part of the Packer depleted West India squad that toured India under Alvin Kalichan in 1978-79. Marshall did not have a very happy series and there were some on-field issues between him and Dalin if I remember right. Anyway, in the first test, Kanpur, West Indies, won the toss and they elected to bat on a pitch that was said to be green and the conditions early winter in North India, a bit conducive for swing bowling. Indian bowling, if you remember, was led by a couple there, days and uh, before long, we had sent back almost... Uh, Half of the West Indies side for around 150. But Gordon Greenwich eventually scored 194. And Jeff Dujon had a long partnership. And then there was a rollicking partnership between Greenwich and Marshall. Marshall, he was quite handy coming down the order. He scored 92. That That was, I think it was his highest score even after that. And But uh, they were all out by 4.54, I think around 4.54 uh, by T, after T on the second day. in this captain apparently asked Holding and Marshall who will start. I mean, according to reports that I later read, Holding said that let Maco handle it first because he's the fastest now. Marshall went on to record in his book that was the best compliment he ever received. Marshall, though not built in the conventional, typical West, West, West Indies space bowling behemoth, was always a skiddy and a slippery customer, if you remember. Most batsmen have spoken about how his pace is deceptive and his V.P. bowling action and a strong shoulder generated considerable unexpected speed. And on the de- that evening, in Kanpur, he was a dazzling best. I mean, within minutes of Indian innings, the two stalwarts of Indian batting, Sunny Gavaskar and Mohinder were prized out for ducks. Marshall then smoked out Anshuman Gekwad and Veng with both pace and a lot of cunning. And uh, Winston Davis also chipped in with the wicket of the wicket of And in India ended the day at 34 for five with Marshall's spell led a barely believable, I think, nine for four. I mean, four wickets for nine
2: runs. In yeah, it covers. was uh, eight overs, five maidens, nine runs, four wickets. Nine runs and four wickets. Yeah, I, I remember that. I mean, I just want to add that uh, in uh, when I the first time I met Rajan Bala, I uh, introduced myself, and then in discussion, this came up because <laughs> Rajan Bala's report had that famous headline, right? Uh, exactly. They can herald. They can Martial Kaanpour. law in Kanpur. <laughs> yeah, Kanpur. So exactly. I just asked. That him was a about very that. famous headline. Yeah. And he, and the first thing he told me as a reply, I mean, Rajan Bala, of course, had this great style of talking where he would just, uh, you know, throw it away. And he said, eight, five, nine, four. And he just kept quiet. And I didn't even realize what he was talking. Then I realized the spell was eight over five minutes and I'd four wickets.
0: <laughs> Sorry, Bala, I think uh,
2: if I'm right, uh, Sunil Gavaskar,
0: I mean, he made the bat uh, fly out of Sunil Gavaskar's hand.
3: That was in the that second innings. That
0: was in the in second innings. Oh, yeah. In the second innings. So, so that also became... Pretty popular because Sunny felt very bad that you know it, never, it had never happened to Sunny before, and Marshall was. It so was a good.
3: psychological scar for both India and Gavaskar. I think that particular second innings knock, when the bat bat flew out of his hand, it kind of, I mean, it made Gavaskar to reinvent his approach to batting for the rest of his career because he began to go for his shots. So there, there was a strong psychological scar because of that uh, particular innings, second innings. He
2: scored at seven, I think, in the second innings. Vala, uh, where did you, uh, uh, how did you end up uh, following this? Was it on radio or TV or how was it? Uh, I followed it mostly on radio and subsequently I read a lot of reports on that. Yeah, so because I didn't that watch last, it on
3: TV.
2: Yeah, I mean, anyone who, you know, was of a uh, cricket watching age at that time, I mean, it, I wasn't one of them. So but I'm, whoever I've spoken to at that time, that final hour on the second day in Kanpur just seems to be, something that everyone has impacted by, irrespective of what they were doing, right? It was almost like that, you tell them that and then they can talk to you for a long time about that one hour. Exactly. I mean, we ended the day at 34 for 5.
3: See, at 34 for 5, the series was almost done and
2: dusted. (laughs) I mean, it's just the first test, Bala. Come on.
3: No, yeah, fasts but the kind of statement that Marshall bowling made it pure I mean but wait I'll contradict myself later in this don't worry I have something else
2: <laughs> Okay yeah I mean but absolutely I mean great choice to start with one of the great spells of bowling I mean India or otherwise I mean Malcolm Marshall how how it doesn't get better than that right <laughs> So uh who wants to go next is it Vijay Yes sir uh, hello everyone,
0: this is uh, Vijay Aramukam from Sydney. I'm going to pick Roger Binney from 1987, the second test match between India and Pakistan. So Imran Khan's uh, Pakistan uh, visited India uh, for a five-test series against Kapil Dave's Indians. This was before the Reliance Cup, so this happened in the January-February time frame of 1987. After the uh, high-scoring draw in the first test match in Madras 1987, the caravan moved to uh, Eden Gardens, Calcutta, uh, back then it was Calcutta still. And Sunil Gavaskar uh, refused to play at the Eden Gardens, citing the crowd trouble that happened in the 84-85 test match against England. And Imran Khan, having won the toss, put India in, thinking, okay, there is no Gavaskar, let me get some early wickets. And uh, Wazi Akram and Imran bowled well, Azhar scored a, a brilliant 100, and India got uh, 400 plus in the first innings. And as always uh, in that particular series, most of the wickets were flat and Indian bowling wasn't that threatening, especially from a a pace bowling perspective, and Pakistan had a very strong batting lineup. They were coasting along on day three uh, before the Roger Binney spell took place. Uh, I had to give a bit of a context about Roger Binney because Roger Binney was never a a full-time member of the Indian squad. He was in and out. He played a, a reasonable part in the 1983 World Cup. He also played an important part in the 1985 World Championships in Australia, but he played a a really important hand in the 1986 Tour of England, especially at Headingley, where he bowled India to win, uh, to a very famous win, in helpful conditions um, with cloud cover, swing and seam. Again, he wasn't a quick, quick bowler. He was a good swing bowler, and he used the conditions quite well. Even after that, when India played a home series against Sri Lanka in 86 87 he wasn't um, uh, he wasn't selected for the particular series. He, and he didn't play in the first test match of the 1987 Pakistan Tour as well. So he was drafted in for the Eden Gardens. And and again, there's a bit of a context right? because Eden Gardens, this was pre-1987 Reliance World Cup, which means the modern clubhouse and the, the high stands uh, weren't built by then. Eden Gardens uh, was situated not far away from the Hooghly River in Calcutta. And the river breeze, especially in the afternoon, used to uh, help in terms of the conditions, whether it's swing or a twirl and so forth. So it was probably the last test match that had a, an impact from the nature. Because once they built those uh, high-tier stands and the modern clubhouse, the, the breeze pretty much stopped and it became a uh, a typical Indian stadium or a cauldron, uh, so to speak. So that particular Saturday afternoon, when Roger Binney and Pakistan were in a uh, comfortable position of 170 or for two. Javed Meandar and Rizwan Guano was patting serenely. And Billy started to get the ball to move away from the right-hander. And I was there watching it on TV from South India. Uh, and yes, it was Durdashan's and Stelika, So you wouldn't be able to say whether it was a cross-swing, whether it's a reverse swing. And we didn't know a lot about reverse swing back in 87. So it was conventional swing. He wasn't bowling at a rapid pace, but... Uh, he started to get the ball uh, to swing. And he started to get the big wickets of Javed Meandad and salim Malik, uh, Imran, Wazeem, and uh, So he took a four for nine. It wasn't quick, but he found swing. And Kapil was bowling well with him, but Kapil wasn't uh, able to swing the ball as much as Rajabini did. So the important thing, having posted 400, he helped India to reduce Pakistan from 170 odd for two to 215 for seven. So. On a Saturday, without a lot of pace, with the real skill and using a bit of a natural element, he was able to uh, reduce Pakistan uh, to a very manageable uh, first-innings total that helped India to set it up in terms of the game. Unfortunately, India couldn't finish the game off and Pakistan happened to save the game despite Binning getting another two wickets. So in that particular spell I'm talking about, he took 6 for 56, including 4 for 9. 4 for 9 against a very powerful batting lineup. In Indian conditions has to be applauded uh, because he wasn't your uh, really quick bowler, he didn't have the natural talent of a couple of days. And also another important thing, whenever we talk about swing in the 1980s, uh, Indian cricket always thinks about Imran Khan and Sarfras Nawaz. Pakistanis have always uh, beaten India in terms of trying to get the ball to swing, whether it's conventional or reverse, either in Pakistan or in India. So in that perspective, Billy's spell was a really uh, important one to help India to get some psychological advantage over Pakistan against a very strong batting lineup, um, and also another interesting thing—I don't know if that played any part—being a ten-year-old, I heard the word smog for the first time in my life. R. Morgan, the famous journalist who covered the game for the Hindu and the Sports Star, he wrote in that particular weekly saying, "The smog cleared, and the breeze started to come in from the Hooghly, and the Calcuttans filled up the stands with seventy thousand people." And the Metro was serving the city like uh, London and Paris, and Roger Bini uh, put on a royal show. He wrote in a very flowery prose about that. And uh, to me, that's one of the spells that really defined uh, the Indian uh, swing bowling in that particular series. Unfortunately, India happened to lose the series in Bangalore in the deciding test, but that spell of Roger Bini. Uh, has to be rated along with this spell at heading lane 86 as one of the best spells he had ever bowled for India and especially in Indian
2: conditions. Uh, Interesting you talk about the evening uh, breeze because I have also read that, uh, you know, uh, there was criticism about India batting slowly in the second innings and uh, had they batted a little quicker then Bini might have got a chance again to use that evening breeze to bowl, uh, to get more wickets in the Pakistan second innings. I think he got one, maybe, or uh, two. I don't know, but he, he, have you read that as well? or have you, Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. I
0: think Pakistan batted for only for a few overs uh, on day four. See, the, I think the problem with that is uh, when India batted in the second inning, they scored at a reasonable rate. I mean, by 1987 standards, I think they scored around 180-odd runs in 50-odd overs or 45 overs. I don't exactly remember. That was pretty reasonable. And uh, please understand Sunil Gavaskar wasn't there. And Pakistan had a very good bowling attack. Right? Imran Bazim, and Salim Jaffa uh, and Abdul Qadir and Toshif. It was a good attack. And Srikanth fell a bit early. So expecting Arun Lal and Mohinder Ramanath to bat at five and over in 1987 uh, would have been a bit of a, a challenging thing. But you're right. Uh, India declared so late that they were locked to a bowl at Pakistan uh, on day four because this bini spell happened on day three. And then they had the whole of fifth day to uh, get Pakistan out and they couldn't unfortunately do it.
2: So uh, my, uh, se- first, uh, my selection is actually um, similar to Bala's in that it is a West Indies selection. But of course, it's a uh, West Indies team at the ne- other end of the spectrum of their great run. This was uh, perhaps towards the end of uh, the great West Indian era. You could, this uh, team would probably not even be included in that era, but... Uh, I would include them. This was 1994 when West Indies came to India for a three-test series. Test series, uh, test series uh, famously recalled for Jimmy Adams, uh, who became Adams in that series. But uh, the, so the fast bowling uh, spell that particularly comes to mind is uh, from the third test in Mohali. This was uh, the first ever test played in Mohali, um, and uh, it was a pitch uh, which <laughs> nobody knew what was up, what was going to happen, and it ended up being a pretty. Uh, You know, true pitch, a fast pitch even by Indian standards because back then India used to play quite a lot on underprepared wickets and on, uh, you know, really uh, flat brown uh, wickets that would help spin from day one. And uh, West Indies, who had lost the first test on a you know a raging turner in Bombay, they had uh, managed to draw the second test in Nagpur, thanks to Adams. They came in here, they won the toss, and uh, Courtney Walsh uh, had an injury, but he still played. I mean, he had a neck injury, but he was the captain of the team. He still played. And they batted first, and they posted 400-plus, Adams against Code. Then, basically... Uh, they decide, I mean, Courtney Walsh and Kenny Benjamin is what I remember. But I also realized there was Cameron Cuffey in that team, but I don't really remember much of his bowling. But Walsh and Benjamin, the way they basically started hitting the deck and it was short, but it wasn't like um, exaggeratedly short. I wouldn't say it was like the uh, short pitch that you see in uh, pitches in Australia or uh, even in, um, you know, West Indies of those days. This was the kind of short of a length uh, bowling where the ball was taking off and coming to you at the chest uh, to the neck sort of height and sometimes to the head height. And it was accurately done. It was beautifully done. And, And Manoj Prabhakar was the only batsman who somehow survived that. He made a century and India sort of got close to the West Indies total then West Indies came out they just smashed everything around Uh, I don't know what India were thinking but you know the West Indies just scored really quickly gave themselves time and then that final day I remember seeing highlights of this I think it was a, a school day but I clearly remember seeing highlights of this and Kenny Benjamin and Walsh and they just came in the same length again and this time India had no clue. I mean, uh, by now it was almost like, uh, you know, they, uh, and, and yes, on the fourth evening, uh, Walsh bowled a short ball that got through uh, Prabhakar's visor and hit him and it sort of uh, hit his nose. It broke his nose. There was blood, I remember, and he had to retire hurt. And uh, that was an image also that stayed in my mind. I uh, hadn't uh, seen that on an, in, in an Indian conditions, at least since I had started watching in the late 80s. So, um, it all came together and then the next morning, it was just a, it was a blowout. Uh, they bowled the length. Vinod Kamli, uh, perhaps uh, the beginning of the end of uh, Kamli's uh, uh, test career when, again, he got a short one and he uh, uh, sort of, uh, he tried to, he, he didn't know what to do with it. He was uh, caught between pulling and hooking and just uh, evading and then the ball went to short leg and... Uh, yeah, Sachin actually got a Sachin got a full length ball which he just uh, sort of scooped to the covers but uh, other than that you know, even though the batsmen uh, got full balls that they got out to they were Basically, uh, quite unnerved by the short pitch bowling that came earlier. So, if you see highlights, there's a very um, interesting uh, YouTube clip there with Tony Kozier doing like a series review. And if you see highlights, you'll see a number of batsmen getting out to full pitch balls. But I clearly remember uh, that the reason why they were going for those drives is that they were suckered into it. I mean, the short ball really... Uh, messed with them and uh, so West Indies basically uh, won the match, they drew the series and until Courtney Walsh basically, I remember at the end of the game, he said he has still not lost a series for West Indies. So uh, that is in 94. He went on to lose uh, later but uh, till 94, Courtney Walsh had not lost a single series for West Indies which uh, in that post-match presentation, I still remember that uh, lines.
0: Uh, Siddhi, uh, this is Vijay. I would like to add one more thing. I think the context is is a very good thing you talked about the first Test match. Though Tony Cozy had covered the 1974-75 series as well as the, the 83-84 series that Bala talked about, West Indies had never complained about the pitchers in India till then. But in that series, Ambrose didn't come um, and Desmond Haynes didn't show up. Uh, okay, They, they thought who would travel to India, they were tired and stuff. I mean... And then the Mumbai was a raging turn. I mean, there were a lot of complaints and whinging from the West Indies. And more importantly, when they went to the second test in Nagpur, a lot of fruits were thrown. And Koti Walsh pretty much said, I'm going to boycott the tour if this continues. And they went to Mohali. And remember, Mohali was still under construction. There was a lot of construction debris and dust. And they were not very happy about the conditions. But the only thing, and I remember Adams and others talking about it, the only thing that kept them interested was the pitch, as you rightly said. Because this was an un-Indian wicket, Daljit Singh being the curator. It had good bounce. It it had a good look to it. So they said the only good thing was the pitch. uh, And also good outfield, because I think the Nakut was played in a bit of a bad outfield as well. So they were complaining and whinging and suddenly they saw a bit of a a light at the end of the tunnel. This is a classic example of uh, an empire, a West Indian cricket empire, refusing to lose, right? They somehow, they were outplayed for pretty much two-thirds of the tour. Somehow they clung on to it and happened to win and draw the, uh, they happened to draw the series. So uh, very interesting uh, that you picked Kenny Benjamin and Courtney Walsh for this. So,
2: Mahesh?
1: Yes, so I'm going to go with the uh, with a parochial pick here, uh, not necessarily for the same reasons, but uh, I'm going to go with Lakshmi Patti Balaji's uh, brilliant spell at uh, Mohali against Pakistan uh, for two things. One, I enjoy that kind of bowling, and two, also because I had quite a lot of stake siding on on Balaji at that time, and he was just coming off a good momentum in the Pakistan series earlier, and here he was picked as the extra seamer, and and they were, I think it was a good. Uh, I mean, the Mali pitch had a lot of hype about it, and they went with only one spinner going into this match, the first test of the series, uh, and this was probably the best that that Balaji could have bowled. I mean, he he bowled quite beautifully in in Pakistan as well for his uh, four wicket haul earlier uh, the previous year, but this was pretty much the the best part of all that we've heard about Balaji over the years, and uh, and. And for someone who, who was living in Chennai at that time, you hear a lot about him as a tear-away fast bowler before we, you saw him make his international debut. So in my mind, I was always thinking he was a Bretley the kind of a bowler till he made his debut and you realize he's more in the 80s, you know, in fact, early 80 miles per hour than, than late 80 miles per hour kind of a bowler. But then you see the skill. Initially you are you are romanticizing the pace, which was not there, and then you see the skill in those beautiful wrists. Uh, I mean, I would love to see him bowl now with, with uh, high-quality HD coverage where you get to see it a lot better. But even with with, with whatever little uh, quality coverage we had then, you could clearly see the, the ball release from his wrist. is so conducive to swing. And he could also hit the deck. He was, I mean, he had enough pace to hit the deck and get something uh, moving off the seam as well. And this match was, a, was pretty much a highlight of all the skills that he had. And one of the things that, that came up often in his first-class exploits is how often you used to get batsmen out bowled and LBW, relying very little on 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 the fielders, so to say. Again, this this match had that uh, Tofi Kumar was bowled by a beauty, and then in the second innings, uh, uh, he bowls an absolute uh, cocker to uh, Yunus Khan, who who actually leaves the ball uh, and gets bowled. There were a couple of other bowls as well to to uh, Asim Kamal in the first innings, and again LBW in the second innings. So so this. And I mean, I was also playing a little bit at that time. So for me to see that level of skill from a guy who pretty much played in the same ground that I was playing in, like for instance, if you go to Trasparam cricket ground, everybody talks about having taught something to El Balaji. I mean, I I wasn't there when he was playing. I, I moved to that place after he had finished playing at that level. So you see all these oldies saying, I taught them how to grip a ball, how taught them how to hold the seam. And to see that level of skill, that level of late swing uh, I mean, even for an Indian fast bowler, even at that stage, it was a fairly precious skill. It was not a common thing. Srinath was not that kind of a bowler. Irfan was was probably more in that mold, but even he couldn't get the ball to swing so late as, as, as Balaji was doing at that time. And of course, there's always a parochial pride. So I absolutely enjoyed that spell and I thought he would go on to have big things in life after that. Uh, and the last I saw him was... Uh, was after his, uh, the second, I mean, this itself was a comeback from injury Then he had a more uh, serious back injury and I saw him bowl off two paces at the nets uh, in, a, in, a, in a first division sort of net session and and I pretty much I knew that that's it. We've seen the last of Balaji as a test bowler. Uh, so, every time I think about the potential, the promise of a, of a, of a tear-away fast bowler as they say within Tamil Nadu, uh, I, I always go back to the spell which which gave us a glimmer of hope, and then yeah, that was not to be. Yeah, one yeah, more a thing bit here. Uh, so before he made his debut, there was a there was a very important match against Delhi in uh, in Delhi. I think it was a knockout match. I don't remember the context exactly, but Nadu had to absolutely win. And Seva goes berserk. He scores a ninety nine in the first innings, if I'm not wrong. And the second innings, Balaji gets him out for a duck, like bowled him again. And at that time, there was a report. I don't know if it was a report or it was one of those inside of chats. Uh, they started
2: calling him Bala Lee after Brett Lee. Yeah, yeah I, I remember this. I remember this. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, as
0: Mahesh rightly gave the context, a lot of people felt he didn't have what uh, it takes to be successful at the test level because… They thought he couldn't uh, get batsman out of LBW because of the angle he comes in and he can't take the ball away from the right-hander, et cetera, et cetera. But I think uh, one of the things I vividly remember watching this game um, in Rawalpindi and then Sanjay Manjrekar talking about to Imran Khan, if I'm right, no one ever felt that Indian bowlers could swing the ball more than Pakistani bowlers. And I talked about Roger Binny in 87, that was in India, especially in Pakistani conditions. So in 2004, in Rawalpindi, Pindi, that exactly happened because he had, I think his wrist position was so good um, and the pitch in Pindi had a bit of uh, a seam movement and uh, he used the wrist very well to get uh, movement of uh, the pitch as well as a bit of a swing out of the air. And, and as Mahesh rightly pointed out, he bowled really well with both new and old balls Uh, in Mohali and I I should hasten to add that uh, Saro Ganguly's um, demise as a a positive captain started with this particular test. India should have won this test match and the captaincy was a little lackluster and uh, I mean of course uh, Kamran Akmal and Razak uh, put on a good partnership but India should have won the test match and the series convincingly and uh, that didn't happen uh, despite having the home advantage so I'd like to add that as well. My second pick uh, of a great fast bowling or a seam swing bowling uh, choice on an Indian pitch uh, came in 1998 when Australia toured India. Uh, I'm going to pick Michael Kasparovich from uh, the third test match in Bangalore 1998. Again, a bit of a context. There was a lot of expectation in terms of Australia coming out to India and beating India in India because they had beaten uh, England in an ashes after a slow start and uh, they would expect, and they had beaten West Indies and West Indies as well. So this would have completed a nice uh, set for them. But unfortunately, um, uh, Glenn McGrath and, uh, and uh, Jason Gillespie weren't available to tour to India, which means uh, they had uh, Paul Rifle, they had uh, Michael Kasparovich, they had uh, Adam Dale, and they had uh, uh, Paul Wilson, who's an, uh, now an umpire, the Victorian, along with, of course, Shane Vaughan. Shane Vaughan uh, was coming back uh, from a, a surgery as well. And uh, Sachin, I mean, everyone knows about the Sachin Tendulkar-Shane Bond showdown in uh, uh, in Chennai, India, went on to win the Test match. But the important part was Paul Rifle was a little um, below par in that uh, first Test uh, at the MH Dhamram Stadium, and he was injured and he fell out. So Australia had to reinforce and they had to bring in Paul Wilson uh, to compliment Michael Kasparovich And unfortunately, Paul Wilson uh, uh, had an injury and he had to... go out of the field after 10 or 12 overs. So Kasparovich was um, carrying a very heavy load. And also, don't forget, Michael Kasparovich is a swing bowler who's usually a a first-change bowler. Uh, In this particular tour, because he was elevated into the uh, spearhead, he had to move move away from being a a swing bowler to hit the deck kind of a bowler uh, to lead the charge. So he had to change his boating action and he, he had almost lost nine kilos of body weight in the first two test matches, especially in, uh, in Eden Gardens on a, on a couple of hot days, humid hot days with one bowler short. So the caravan moved to Bangalore for the third test with Australia being 0-2 down and one would say it was a kind of a dead rubber, but Australians were very, very keen to make amends. And again, Sachin Tendulkar played another brilliant innings of 177 and India posted a huge total. And uh, Michael Kasparovic had Adam Dale, the the swing bowler, as the bowling partner. Uh, But uh, Australia matched the score uh, or got close by 20 runs with uh, uh, Marco 100 and Slater getting a good score as well. But then India had uh, started off very well on day three. Uh, Shane Warne picked up a couple of quick wickets, but Sachin Tendulkar and uh, Azar were uh, in a good position and India 111 for three on day uh, four. And India was in a good position uh, to press the uh, accelerator and bat Australia out of the test match. But then Kasparovich intervened. And uh, he had Sachin Tendulkar out, caught and bowled uh, for 31. And after that, the ball started to uh, swing around. And uh, he and then after that, everything was kind of tailing in. He got uh, Azhar bowled. And then um, Kevin Robertson and Vaughn uh, took a bit. And then he bowled the tail out, Harvinder, Raju, and Harbajan. It was 5 for 28, and uh, from a healthy position of 111 for 3, India were bowled out for 169. Those kind of collapses uh, weren't very common in India by visiting uh, quickmen. I mean, I mean, Kasparovic is not a really quick baller. He was a swing baller, but he was finding a lot of swing that particular day, the Irish or the reverse swing. The interesting aspect is, at the end of the match, Ian Chappell interviewed him. Ian Chappell back in 98 or even till 2006 or seven, he never believed in reverse swing. I vividly remember uh, Chapelle asking Casper, uh, so you found some good swing uh, on that pitch. And Casper and immediately said, no, it's reverse swing. And Ian Chapelle didn't say a word because he didn't believe in reverse swing. But uh, as an anchor, as a person who asked the question to a, a quick baller, he had to agree to the fact that it was reverse swing. I mean, the reason why I picked this because a lot of times you don't associate Australia with reverse swing. It's Pakistan, uh, sometimes India, sometimes it's even New Zealand with Chris Pringle, what he did in, in, in Pakistan in, uh, in the 90s, 97. Australia, some, somehow, uh, they play the game in the traditional way of, whether it's Dennis Lilly or Glenn McGraw, reverse swing wasn't needed. But I think that's one of the myths that's been propagated by a lot of people because Australians knew um, in certain conditions you have to adapt and Kasperich being a swing bowler to find that kind of a swing on a day four uh, Bangalore pitch with the conditions helping a bit. To get that done was really special and that helped Australia to win the test match. I mean, they didn't win the series. They won the red rubber with Mark Taylor getting a hundred and you wouldn't associate Kasparovich that kind of uh, running through uh, a strong batting lineup in Indian condition. Now, Six years later, when he came for the 2004 series, he bowled a lot of cutters. And by then, Australia learned the art of bowling on an Indian pitch. You had to attack the stumps more. You need to uh, keep the runs dry. They learned the art. But by 98, they were a little naive in terms of how to win a test match in India because they hadn't played a lot. And having lost McGrath and and Gillespie and Vaughan not being at his absolute best, for him to take the lead and getting a 5 for 28 in Bangalore to help the team to win a test match against a rampaging Sachin Tendulkar who scored who had scored 446 or 450 runs was a really, really good achievement. I'd like to call that, as, call that out as one of the special bowling spells I had witnessed on TV uh, um, on an Indian pitch.
2: Yeah, I mean, I was going to pick that one too because uh, I, w- I witnessed that uh, live in the ground. The ball that he got Sachin out, it sort of came in late and uh, Sendulkar got the inside edge onto his pad and then it went back to the bowler and he takes this wonderful one-handed catch and we were sitting pretty much behind him then when he took that catch and we didn't even realize what had happened Uh, because uh, you know uh, Sachin's bat is pointed to the covers almost and then you have this guy catching the ball to his right. And then, but the ball I remember is the next one, the next wicket when he got Azar, he bowled him. I mean, that was like a classic reverse swinging. um, I I would like to call it a yorker, but I think Azar made it a yorker. Uh, If he had uh, maybe been a bit more on the front foot, he could have made it, got a full toss on that. But he just stayed there and just bowled him with the yorker. And then after that, uh, he just got through the tail later on. So... And to put things in context, I mean, if you look at that scorecard, you'll realize how India were basically banking on their spinners to win that game. You know, you had Harvinder Singh and Saurav Ganguly opening the bowling. And uh, in the first innings, Harvinder bowled seven overs, Ganguly bowled two. And in the second innings, Harvinder bowled three overs. And that's it. So basically you had 12 overs of of seam, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. Okay, seam bowling, I think maybe a charitable thing to call it. But uh, everything else, they were expecting their spinners. And Harbhajan even bowled that famous ball to get Greg it out on his debut. And uh, so you, it tells you the kind of um, difference in approach. And then you had Kasper, which come and pretty much win the match for them. So, um, yeah, I think uh, India, it would have been surprising for the Indian team as well that, uh, you know, you have this uh, fastish medium pacer who comes and gets reverse swing and gets them out.
0: Yeah, I think Sreenath was injured and that's why Harvinder came as a replacement. Uh, So the other interesting thing I just want to call out, uh, Darren Lehman, right? So Darren Lehman got runs and uh, it was, I mean, it was a debut right along with uh, Dale. And the fact that he had scored 10,000 first-class runs in the Shield to get to that uh, squad along with the county runs, that also showed how much or how difficult was it back then to get the baggy green uh, for an Australian player. Sibhish.
2: You next. So my next spell uh, is uh, perhaps uh, one of the best spells of fast bowling that I have seen. Uh, This is uh, from 2010, Dale Stain in Nagpur. Uh, I think uh, everyone here has seen it and probably all our listeners have seen it as well. I remember Dale Stain's spell in Ahmedabad in 2008, which was uh, another ferocious spell of bowling on the first morning where India were dismissed for 70 odd and Stain took... um, Uh, he probably took six or seven six no five right I think okay it was I know it was a fantastic spell but i the difference between the Ahmedabad spell and the Nagpur spell was that firstly this that was day one this was day three uh, and also that the pitches itself I mean Ahmedabad had a bit of a nip nip in it on the first morning it I wouldn't call it a I, I wouldn't call it a absolute green top, but there was definitely something, you know, in the traditional Indian pitch that you would say, or which always offers something for the fast bowler in the first session of a session and a half. It had that, stain, exploited it, and India's batsmen uh, did not uh, end up having any answer to that. But this Nagpur spell was even greater because it came on a flat pitch. South Africa had scored a mountain of runs, India had a strong batting lineup. India were very, I mean, India were a formidable team at home as they have been for a very long time. But, you know, that was a pretty good batting lineup. But Stain was just ferociously quick. Uh, there was uh, both swing, uh, both swing uh, in in and out. But of course, he took a bulk of his wickets with the in swing, the ball that came in. it was uh, There was a lot of bowls, uh, but the ball of the spell for me was the ball that got sachin tendulkar it was an outswing ball it pitched absolute pitch perfect on uh, i wouldn't it's like maybe an inch or two uh, shorter than good length tendulkar had no option but to play it because you know if he he had he probably wouldn't have uh, in that split second if it had come in then he would have been lbw he had to play it it took the edge uh, like a feather of an edge and it went to the keeper. And that for me was like like absolute masterful bowling. I think uh, Sunil Gavaska was on air. He was just going gaga over it. And I would, uh, you know, actually uh, look at that ball as the, uh, uh, the obverse of the ball that Alan Donald bowled to Tendulkar in 96, which was that steep in-cutter that got him bowled through the gate. And if you see Dale Steyn's reaction, he almost, I mean, the ball has got the edge, but it almost feels as if he doesn't know that the ball has got the edge because he's like, ooh, he's like, oh, that just missed. And then he realizes that, oh, the ball has got the edge and it's out and it's perfect. So it's, it's almost like even the bowler, he feels it's too good to be true. Is, that's how I took it. And uh, then after that, uh, um, before that he got uh, Vijay, uh, Murli Vijay got bowled with a, you know, a really good inducker. He le- He leaves the ball actually, he leaves the ball and then he loses his stumps. Uh, Vridhiman Saha also did something similar and then the tail is basically gone. And Badri, Badri actually gets another in-swinging ball and uh, he, chip- he basically chips it to the fielder short, mid- short mid-wicket. And it seemed like the fielder was specifically set there because the, immediately after he got the wicket, Stain just basically, you know, points to him. And he, he, it's like, see, I told you so kind of thing. So um, for me, uh, what, prob- perhaps the best spell of fast bowling I've seen on a Nagpur pitch, uh, which was anything but conducive to um, fast bowling. He took the pitch out of the equation. And, uh, you know, in hindsight, um, perhaps the spell of the decade.
1: And the uh, and the other thing about this spell is the fact that this was a complete package. Right? Usually, you have like Ashwedge. We talked about you know great spell of river swing and Binny a great spell of swing bowling or even Balaji for that matter was was a great set you know sort of great swing bowling again. And Marshall, for instance, fierce pace. But this one had everything. Right? This was serious pace. There was Murli Vijay leaving the ball the ball coming back in with the new ball. Uh, Sachin who. I mean, Dale Strange has brought quite a few of those uh, those balls, leaving the batsman like almost a very fast 145 kilometers per hour leg spinner. There's Pujara, there's Michael One. Michael One has gotten, gotten out twice like that of, of very similar deliveries. In fact, you could probably make a package of Dale Strange's outswingers, which, which almost mimic a leg spinner at 145 kilometers. And you could have 10 such dismissals. So you had that to Sachin, and then you had the reverse swing to to Saha, for instance, which was just brutal, and, and Amit Mishra was, was probably an even better delivery. Although, I mean, the fact that Amit Mishra might diminish the delivery, but come on, it could have got anybody out. So, in that sense, it was probably the perfect spell of fast bowling in India. You had everything. You had pace, you had conventional swing, you had seam, you had reverse swing, you had top order being, you know, uh, being dismissed as well as tail being wiped out. It was just the perfect package. The only downside of this great Nagpur
0: 2010 spell was the poor crowds. I mean, there were hardly any people uh, at the Jamta ground. Usually, Nagpur used to get good crowds and they used to play in the VCA old ground. Once they moved to Jamta, the crowd started to dwindle out because it's too far and stuff. That's the only downside. Most of the other spells we're talking about all had good crowds. And uh, that was a real shame that there weren't too many people to witness that great spell. And as Mahesh rightly argues, that could be the when we sit down and write history in 50 years time, that could come out as the best ever fast bowling spell seen in India. And the only sour note was we didn't have too many people watching it.
3: Okay. Okay. I think I'll go back to my 1983-84 test series between India and West Indies. Because that, again, I had one of the greatest spells ever seen, greatest space bowling spell. I mean, when you talk of extraordinary pace bowling spells, you generally think of swing, speed, seeing. Seldom you talk of endurance, patience and perseverance. Those are generally qualities that you associate with spinners. But this spell I'm referring to is possibly a tour de force of mind over matter. When a speedster just kept going on and on and on and on, just like that bunny in that battery advertisement the baller in question is of course uh, the palest couple and the match in question is is that Ahmedabad test against west indies in the 83 84 series it was an interesting test match though india had lost the first test at kanpur by an innings and but it somehow managed to draw the second test I mean, the second test was at uh, Delhi and Gavaskar equal Bradman's record of and centuries. So India was still in the series. I mean, Sidhvi, I, I told you I am going to contradict myself. This is where I am contradicting, contradicting myself. <laughs> India was still in the series. But the pitch in Ahmedabad was a little underprepared and and a bit of inconsistent bounce. The match was, I mean, Windy's batted first and scored the middling 281. It was neither there because considering the pitch, it was a middling score 281. India responded with uh, 241. The important highlight of the Indian innings was Gavaskar's 90. It was a run innings. 120 balls, 90. Gav- I mean, I told you Gavaskar reinvented himself after the Kanpur fiasco. But uh, when, when I mean, we'll get back to West Indies second innings. They had 40 runs lead. It was not. They were not really very far away. So India had a chance to save the test win it and keep the series alive. But unfortunately, apart from Kapil Dev no other indian bowler was really effective the pitch didn't offer anything except for, i mean for the spinners shastri and maninder kapil they quickly sussed out the conditions he knew that he was the only bowler who could take wickets so he kept himself on from one end the west indies innings i think last i mean i checked the scores they last it lasted 60.3 overs I mean, 60.3 overs and in the total couple bowled 30.3 overs himself he bowled continuously from one end i mean seriously i can't imagine any other modern day fast bowler bowling nearly 31 overs at a stretch i mean to just give us a perspective it's just little under a little slightly over seven uh, t20 matches even though a couple days bowling was spread over two days i mean to take the wickets of Greenwich, richards lloyd logie Gomes, Dujon, among others. I mean, they were all great batsmen. His bowling figures read 30.3 overs, 9 maidens, 83 runs, 9 wickets. The best bowling figures for an Indian at that time, till Kumbhle bested it with the 10-wicket haul and, against Pakistan and Delhi. But for me personally, I mean, couples show at Ahmedabad will remain the most remarkable bowling spell by an Indian ever. Of course, India lost that match, but Kapil created history that was difficult to match.
0: Yeah, one other thing. So, Bala, good update. I mean, I think the other thing is the absolute lack of support for Kapil. So, as you rightly said, in the 9-for-83, he had to pretty much captain the side, bowl uh, non-stop and take wickets with no support. So, there was no constant pressure from the other end to keep the West Indies on a lid. Had he had some support of any decent uh, Manoj Prabhakar or uh, even a Roger Bede, played and been not bowl too much uh, with, uh, with an injury, who knows, India might have won this test match. I think that's, I mean, it's almost like a, a solo act with
2: little support. Okay, Mahesh, you can go next.
1: John, so yes, it's been a while and we haven't talked about Sreenath, so I'm going to pick... The definitive Srinath spell, which is not Ahmedabad, but the Calcutta Asian Test Championship one against Pakistan. Um, I, I, this is not the context, but just a funny anecdote, just the test before when Kumlay took his 10 wicket haul in Ferocia Kotla. Uh Srinath bowled a couple of overs trying not to get wickets. Like deliberately bowling wider so that he doesn't dismiss Batson even by accident, and then leaves the last wicket for Kumbley to take. So coming on the back of that, to the next test where there was a fair bit of assistance on on a first uh, morning damp wicket, he he ramped through Pakistan in the in the first innings with uh, the blistering spell of five wicket haul. Uh, Prasad did the early damage taking out Sahid but otherwise it was a classic Srinath spell. In fact, we talk a lot about Shami's length being more suitable to, to Indian conditions and, and that's, that being the reason why he's more successful in India than away. Which is, I mean, I was watching, uh, thankfully, the, the YouTube has some clips of this uh, the spell in both the innings, first and second. And you could see that applies equally to Srinath. He had the typical Indian length, so the, the, the length that, that is wicket-taking, that is attacking in India might seem defensive elsewhere. But this was working like magic here. He's quiet up Afridi with a one just, just, that just about holds its line. Then he gets uh, Mohamed Yusuf going for a drive again, uh, a ball that would have been deemed short of length in South Africa or Australia, but to some extent even in England. But Azur takes a brilliant catch. Salim Malik again caught of Mongia. So the first things was a, was a classic Srinath, you know, package that he's always bowl well in India. He he doesn't get the ball to move away too much. He just lets it hold its line. His best-case scenario is he, he gets the ball to hold its line. And even that, that is enough to score uh, a couple of bats and up in this in this one. And then Pakistan just about recovered quite well in, in the first innings to get a decent total with, with the brilliant innings from Mohan Khan. And Shra Bakhtar, <laughs> I mean, India was cruising along. There is no way on earth India were, were going to lose this test. 147 for two uh pakistan allowed for 185 this was a damn deal this was doomed right doomed for pakistan and and in fact uh this was meant to be the third test of the series uh, till they changed it to the to a separate entity called asian test championship later on and i was hoping that this is a test series win for for us against pakistan and uh, and then shabakhtar turns everything around logically speaking i could have equally picked shabakhtar's spells uh, spells from this match uh, for this section as well, but we had to pick Strainath. So, but the second innings was an even better spell, I would argue, because uh, the wicket was not as helpful to to uh, uh, to fast bowlers as it was on the first morning. But he still had all his tricks up, up, off of bowling well in India up his sleeves, right? And he he bowled full full as in Indian full length, not necessarily the full length elsewhere. He got the ball to jack back in. He attacked the stumps. And he bowled a couple of mean bouncers. There was a bouncer to Yusuf Yohana or Mohammed Yusuf. By the he was already Mohamed Yusuf, uh, which he hooked right down to fine leg. And the next very next ball, he, he has uh, Shahid Afridi playing all over a bouncer. Srirad always had a mean bouncer. In fact, a couple of seasons before this uh, against Sri Lanka, he hit uh, uh, Sanat Jayasuriya on the head. Man, and he actually walks out of the uh, pitch. He, he gets retired hurt. And then he hits... Lanka de Silva on the nose, uh, and he walks out bleeding. So he always had a mean bouncer, but it was sweet of him too. I mean, it was very sweet to see him getting getting dismissals out of those short balls, back to back dismissals. It was a it was a, an all round Srinath package. If you had to see a great Indian fast bowler operating in conditions which are conducive for him, and he knows how to ex- extract the maximum value out of it, this was probably his uh, his uh, best match. Although you could argue, Ahmedabad was a more dramatic spell and a more impactful spell. It helped that we won that test as well. Here, India went on to lose that test. But in terms of crowning achievement, this has got to be the Srinath match for everybody to look back fondly on.
2: I think uh, one thing though, this was around the phase when uh, uh, Srinath as well as India's bowlers were constantly, uh, maybe this is uh, you know a lot of bias here, but they used to constantly struggle to get the tail out. And this particular match is uh, all, always like uh, one of the topmost <laughs> there when I keep thinking of this match. When, you know, Moin Khan basically in the first innings, he makes that 70 and gets them to a certain total when they were like, what? They were 26 for six. And then they get to 180 something. So, yeah, this match. And, and I, I don't know, I haven't checked the stats. Whether Srinath was particularly bad against the tail or anything, but the perception somehow just stays. I probably need to check it.
1: There was another thing that I noticed on watching the clips. I didn't remember it from memory, but uh, he does get uh, Shoy out bowled. Uh, one, which is a tailender, and he gets him out cheaply. In fact, in the second innings, if you look at it, uh, he gets the last three pretty quickly, last four, and the last three pretty quickly. Azar Mudrak, who you shouldn't call a tailender, Vasim Akram, also not necessarily a tailender. One and Shra won. And Shra Bakhtar one was a particularly uh, a particular surprise for me because there is a slower ball. Slower full toss which he misses and turns into a yorker. And uh, for the longest time, Srinath actually believed that a fast bowler… It's not a fast bowler's job to bowl a slower ball. In the second inning, Saidanwaran Yusuf Yohana
0: or Muhammad Yusuf as it was called, they were coasting along. The second new ball did the trick for India, right? so So, basically the first new ball of the first innings and the second new ball of the second innings. So it's a classic, it's not a reverse wing, it's more like two new ball spells to get 13 wickets. Uh, to be honest, this has to be rated as one of the very best new ball spells ever bowled by an Indian fast bowler and it was tr- truly fast because he bowled reasonably quick as well uh, in the annals of Indian history. So, so my last third and final spell uh, would be, in my opinion, Uh, in my biased opinion, the best ever fast bowling spell bowled on India with little reward to show for. It's Mm -hmm. Jason Gillespie uh, from 2001 Chennai. So they went to the third test match and again, Australia won a good toss. Uh, They posted a good score uh, based on Hayden's uh, double hundred. But one important nugget of information which a lot of people don't remember was Glenn McGrath had a, a stomach bug on day two. Um, and that one of the reasons for the first time in that particular series, Shivshanta Das and uh, Ramesh put on a 100 plus partnership uh, when India chased at uh, 391, if I'm right, of the Australian score. McGrath had a bit of a, a tummy uh, bug, and again, which means he didn't bowl that well. So, day three, he started off really well by uh, getting uh, Das and Lakshman out, and then uh, they got into a role. And again, Gillespie bowled an excellent first spell pretty much under He bowled really really well the second uh, sorry the second session was a deflating session for australia because again a march day chennai hot humid sticky india ran away with the game sachin played a brilliant innings india scored 100 plus runs in that session they lost saro ganguly but rahul dravid who was batting at number 6 had put on a very good partnership and india was very close to the australian score i think with 13 or 14 shot so australia had a the tea break and they had to come back and that series was pretty much going India's way because it's 1-1 and if India has another good session, take the lead beyond one fifty, it's game over for Australia and enter Gillespie. To me, the best thing about the spell was we talked about Dale Strain in Nagpur, it was swing and the pace. Malcolm Marshall had the cutter, he had the pace and again, but the important thing, even Marshall played in wintry conditions in, um, in Kanpur, but here it was really, really hot day. Ian Chapel, who was never prone to give excuses, even he, he was giving a bit of excuses, that too for Steve team. Can you imagine Ian Chappell giving an excuse to Steve team? That happened in Chennai 2001, folks. He was talking about the sticky weather, the humid weather, some, some missed fieldings. But Gillespie bowled like a hyena. I still recall the hyena. I mean, it's probably more to do with the, the bird-like action he did in the previous Eden Gardens test when he did for a couple of balls. But somehow you felt he never gave in. But unfortunately for Gillespie, he bowled against two very well-set, Sachin Tendulkar and Rahul Dravid. A lot of good length balls rared up. A lot of balls were almost unplayable, And Gilchrist dropped a catch of Rahul Dravid. There was another, you know, lots of plays and misses. But more importantly, he extracted a lot of vertical bounds of good length, not short-pitch bowling, of good length. And he really, really tested out both Sachin Tendulkar and uh, Rahul Dravid. But he had nothing to show for But then in the end, he got Raul Dravid out and uh, he got Sachin out as well. So, at the end of the day, it was a 2 for 88 spell. And a lot of people would say, if you had just looked at the scorecard, you would say, hang on, 2 for 88 after 30-odd overs, what's a big deal? But that's where the scorecards lie, right? Because the effort, he kept Australia in the game. And at the end of the day, on day three, Colin Miller and uh, Vaughan took a few wickets to get Australia to... A touching distance. I mean, India were ahead, but not really. India hadn't batted Australia out of the game. So Gillespie's, that particular spell was the fastest seen on Indian soil after Malcolm Marshall's 1983, 18 years later. Of course, then Stainball, that fantastic spell nine years later. So to me, that was the best part. But again, in the second innings, uh, Steve Waugh felt 150 was a uh, pass score for Australia to defend. And again, India were in a good position, Killespie again bowled his heart out. The most important thing, he took Sachin Tendulkar out in a very unusual fashion. I mean, I think once Sachin Tendulkar got into the tennis elbow after 2004, um, it happened at uh, Fe- uh, Faisalabad in 2004, it happened in Raul Pini 2004, or 2006 Faisalabad or uh, uh, Mumbai, uh, Mohali 2006. He used to get out sometimes to ball, but it wouldn't happen till 2003 or so forth because Sachin was such a good player with good technique. To bowl that run the wicket uh, uh, spell, and he got an absolute lifter and Sachin fended the ball to mark one, the second slip, was, has to be one of the best balls produced on Indian soil. Of course, in hindsight, that was a no ball because uh, he was just outside the popping crease on the right hand side. But you had to give uh, 10, 10 out of 10 for the efforts. And again, uh, he took uh, Sauro Ganguly out. Uh, but again, McGrath and uh, Gillespie tried their best, but they couldn't win the test match. Uh, India got the runs. Uh, uh, quite well with eight wickets down. But to me, this, those four wickets Gillespie took in the test match didn't show uh, didn't reflect the way he bowled. But as they say, right, things will even out over a period of time. However cruel it is, Gillespie didn't go as well as he did in 2001 in Chennai. When he came back to India three years later in 2004, albeit Sachin Tendulkar didn't play in a couple of tests, but he was richly rewarded. And he got heaps of wickets. Uh, he didn't go as well as 2001, but he, he got a lot more wickets. Perhaps between 2001 and four, the luck evened out and he got the uh, rewards. But to me, that spell in 2001, unfortunately, the ball-by-ball Ball, um, YouTube uh, video is not available. You get a lot of highlights. I got the DVD as well, but again, it's not full. If there is one spell, I would like youngsters to watch ball by ball to understand how difficult in a stifling March heat, uh, sticky weather on a difficult day to bowl, that would be.
1: I was there at the ground and that was my first test match fly at the ground. And uh, I think I might have said it somewhere else, but uh, I'm so ashamed to say that today. But <laughs> when uh, when Lachman got out trying to... Uh, Pull Colin Miller and Marco takes this breathtaking catch. I thought that was it. You know, we had lost the series. I was sitting right on top of the D-stand. By the time I walked down from the top tier to, to the gate, Saris Bhattale got out. So we were absolutely sure India going to lose and we didn't want to be there to witness that. Uh, so four of, our, four of us went there, four of us left the ground and, uh, and we come home and we saw the, the winning shot from Harbajan, the, the slice to third man for a couple.
2: I was. This is. A, I was not there.
1: Yeah, this is. I was nearly
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? You seriously? That scars of ninety nine. This is clearly.
1: Yeah, I mean scars of nineties. I mean, not just ninety nine. There is a se- sequence of it. Of course, ninety nine is the worst so we didn't i'm the, the i'm the only one who didn't uh, who wasn't there in uh, in the ground for the 99 test the the three of the three other guys were there so they had deep scars right i mean <laughs> so they said no i don't want to be here let's go
0: wow. yeah the, so the other thing i would like to say is i almost i mean to me the other thing that signifies that gillespie spell was somehow i mean i know we had malcolm marshall bowling and uh, Hall and Griffith uh, bowl in the the 50s and 60s. For some reason, fast bowlers were avoiding India. Dennis Lilly never played uh, test matches, Uh, Freddie Truman never played, and then uh, we we didn't have uh, Ambrose coming to India in 94, and then McGraw was in there in 98. So here, fast bowlers coming in and trying to blast India out with their pace on a docile pitch. Kind of made me in you know, almost had a, a stockholm syndrome for Gillespie. I mean I had a, a bit of a soft corner, soft corner after that because he kind of felt here is a guy who comes in very difficult conditions, he tries his level best to win, blast india out and uh, I mean one of the interesting things recently we had one of those discussions in a in a whatsapp group about an all time eleven Australian um, team, and somebody who knew his cricket I thought he, who knew his cricket, picked Brett Lee over Gillespie. And I went absolutely mad. And I said, if someone picks Lee ahead of Gillespie, sorry to say you don't know Test Match cricket. I was so condescending, but probably this spell and what what I'd seen uh, Gillespie do in South Africa and England and other things made me say that I'm sure most of you would agree with me that Gillespie was a much better Test Match bowler than Lee, though Lee had much better pace and he had uh, more uh, things going for him in the one-day cricket.
1: Absolutely, no doubt about that. Alright, Vijay, so, Moving on.
2: So, this is going to be a little different. This is actually just going to be a spell of uh, 14 overs uh, but I think one of the most electric and exciting spells of uh, 14 overs uh, that I've seen. This is the Dharamshala test of 2017 in the second innings uh, when uh, India had that uh, s- small lead of 30, 30 odd runs. I think it was 32 runs and then uh, That 14 overs, that Bhuvaneshwar Kumar and uh, Umesh Yadav. They bowl to, you know, basically um, get the top order, get the Australian top order out. And um, I think it's a combination of um, things that made me really, really take to that spell. And I I keep thinking about that spell every now and then. And not because, you know, it it was a very good spell of bowling by both bowlers. But also, I think there was something to the energy there and the unexpectedness of that thing. I mean, first of all, there was a bit of a mindset to bowl short and it was almost like they had decided, okay, now we're going to basically bowl short and get at these guys. And of course, context being, this was an extremely uh, closely fought series and you have these two Indian fast bowlers go out there and just keep... like There is a barrage. You have balls, like, really, really well-directed short balls. And it was pretty clear that the Australians were taken aback by this. I mean, they, uh, sure, you expect a good Indian bowling. And Umesh had done, I mean, the bowlers had done well throughout the series, not just spin bowlers. But there was something about the manner in which these two bowlers went after the batsmen. They targeted their, uh, you know, ribs. They targeted their shoulders. You had balls, you had batsmen basically taking evasive action, Uh, Keeper collecting it high above like he would do in Australia. And just the whole, that passage of play was absolutely pulsating for me to watch. And, uh, you know, there was a drop catch in all this. Karun Nair, I remember, dropped a catch um, of uh, movie. But then quickly, uh, Umesh gets David Warner out. And then they get Renshaw. And things just, it's like you have a 32-run lead, right? It's like a close match. But then... That momentum that these guys got uh, with that early burst, it was uh, three wickets, I think, or maybe. And then the spinners, of course, came later and took the, um, took the rest. But uh, for me, yeah, that, that was, there was a electricity there. And um, yeah, it may not, uh, you know, when you look back and you see the wickets column, you may, not, uh, you may wonder what's going on. But if you, put, if you take the context and then if you watch that certain spell you'll understand probably the value of uh, what they did. And now, in fact, it was the beginning. I mean, Umesh had come into uh, cricket with high hopes. Like, uh, he was seen as this, uh, you know, this new wave of Indian bowler who was going to be fast and who was going to be aggressive. But it was only in that match and that series, more than that match, that series, where he became the Umesh Yadav that everyone expected him to become. And, uh, you know, after that, of course, he's been a phenomenal at home. Um, he's been, I mean, in the in this particular uh, season, he's just been unstoppable. But, um, yeah, 2017 was uh, probably when Mume Yadav truly arrived on the Indian cricket scene. And, uh, yeah, unforgettable for me. Yeah, very interesting, Sid. I mean,
0: I spoke to one of my Australian friends the next day after the game and he made a very interesting point saying, you always complain a bit about losing to India on a turning wicket. But when you lose to this kind of a, a fast bowling spell, credit is due where it's due. And there's no argument. And credit to Indian bowlers on a, a good pitch. They bowled with a lot of fire and brimstone. That kind of helped India to get a lot of credibility back. Because as I rightly said, it was a, the Pune was a ranked turner. Then India went on to uh, square the series in Ranchi. And for India to come back and Virat was suspended and uh, Jinkarahani captained uh, the side to put out such a spell of fast bowling, hostile spell of fast bowling. It was not like, see, uh, as uh, Bala talked about, Kapil's spell was not physically threatening. It was more like great, I mean, good pace, but it was more like swing and uh, beating the stunts. But here, there was a physical threat involved. And Bhub- I mean, let's not forget Umesh did a good job, but Bhuvaneshwar Kumar supported him really, really well. And it was a combination of Bhuvaneshwar and Umesh being a really, really hostile pair, I don't know, I mean, uh, we have to look at the annals of Indian cricket, could say, arguably the most physically threatening fast bowling by a pair on Indian soil, by an Indian pair, this could rank high amongst that.
1: All right, let me cap it off with, uh, with another, I was really there experience. Um, but on this occasion, there was uh, uh, the test, so India-New Zealand test in Bangalore, the second test of the 2012 series, where, uh, where Ross Taylor had scored a big, I mean, not a big 100, but a very quick 100 uh, to set the, set the match up for New Zealand. Him, Tim Saudi comes out, and, and for someone who's was a very conventional swing bowler, got on board in New Zealand, he's always bowled well in the subcontinent. And this was probably one of his earlier exploits in the subcontinent. He gets a new ball, gets Gambhir out of the new ball, uh, rushes Pujara onto the back foot to play the pole and gets him out hooking and pulling, rather pulling. Uh, yeah. And then Kohli and, and uh, Raina and eventually Dhoni build on a big partnership and the match is almost out of uh, reach of, of New Zealand. So this is the end of second day uh, and the next day we are all going back to the ground. Uh, Chenaswami is a bit of a mess when it comes to stadium logistics before the crowd could even come in kohli had scored his 100 and dhoni had scored his 50 all the landmark achievements have been celebrated by by a few who, who were lucky enough to get in early and i was still waiting in queue outside and all i could hear is the noise of a disappointment which which is when kohli uh, is out so saudi gets him out bold uh, the ball's almost 80 years old or is it yeah so and 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 you know, Kohli is trying to leave the ball and the ball darts back in sharply, bold, and thankfully I just about get into the seat and then a very similar delivery to Dhoni darting back in. He tries to work it on the onside, again missed. LBW, so this, this spell had it all, right? There was the conventional swing, there was a little bit of reverse swing that he exploits later on, there was the short ball to Pujara and then wiping off the tail in a hurry. So this is I mean, Saudi doesn't look like one of those complete fast bowlers, but he's always come out with these performances, and this was kind of the pinnacle of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I remember this Test match, but strangely, you know, I is this spell on YouTube, by the way? Uh, uh, no, no. I, I of course I remember Saudi and all, but I don't remember much details of this. So I was trying to. Jog my memory, but uh, <laughs> as it happens with several performances in India, it's very hard to find videos of it.
1: Yes yeah. a mess. So many great spells you can't watch on YouTube. It's such a pain.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this one particular series, the 2012 New Zealand Tour of India, for some reason there was a legal wrangle between Fox Sports and the way BCCI was giving television contracts so this 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 series was not uh, shown in India in Australia so I didn't watch a ball of it live but I mean we used to get uh, on news clips so I watched favorite news clips and uh, a bit of highlights uh, the next day and so I think they showed some highlights so Mahesh would you call this purely reverse swing or was it uh, some conventional swing involved or was it some sea movement as well what was it uh, that uh, Saudi did so well in Bangalore?
1: No, both both uh, hitting the seam and the conventional swing is what he did really well early on. But he also got quite a bit of reverse to the old ball. Although, like, most of the wickets fell off, uh, or, I mean, at, at least the tail he mopped up by bowling short. But he did get the batsman in sort of some sort of trouble by bowling reverse as well. And this is still, I think, he got his 50th wicket in this test. So, it is still fairly early in his career. So, you wouldn't associate that with him. Even now, for instance, he's bowled pretty well in Sri Lanka on both the tours that he's had. But you would still there's always a debate on should he be should he be playing whether they should be playing both the fast bowlers should they be going spin heavy but at the end of the day you know he's one of the best fast bowlers to perform in subcontinent so you, you always pick him. All right, for that, we come to the end of a very long discussion. Uh, we had fun talking about it, although with some little audio disruptions. Hopefully, uh, you enjoy them as much as we talked about it. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll uh, come
3: back for the second. India have won
2: the test match. India have won the series. They're going to get back for two. India home. Lords goes wild.